Morning, Rock Bible Church. It's good to see you this morning. Yeah. So I'm going to try something a little different this week. Because Monday I felt fairly good. And so I went to a yoga class with my daughter. I haven't been the same since Monday night. So, um, so yeah. So welcome to Rock Bible Church. Hey, I uh, want to really encourage you to join us next week uh, at the fundraising thing we do for Mexico. Um, the short version is we, we put people in homes who don't have homes. And my, my favorite thing to talk about is you have to hand a key to somebody who's never been able to walk through their own door, you know, have their own room, have insulated windows, uh, insulation in the walls, uh, to have windows, things like that. Um, it's just, it's a different experience. And it's so great. So, hey, uh, next Sunday, almost exactly uh, a one week from right now, when service ends, we're going to go straight. We'll give you like a 10 minute break. We're going to go straight into family meeting. So it'll be in person only. It won't be, there'll no streaming, no online, but we're going to just kind of give you a brief overview what was, what uh, is, and what will be. Uh, we might even take a couple questions depending on if they're nice. <laughs> Kidding. Um, and just get to hear from uh, the elders and, and, you know, what are we doing? So, um, so yeah, join us. All right, amen? amen. Okay, so uh, we're continuing our series in the book of John as the bumper probably gave away. I know many of you have been here for the first six parts, seven parts of it now. We're, um, we're going to finish chapter six this week. We stopped it at verse 35. Um, because it's a it's a long chapter, but also because um, there's a lot of good stuff. And uh, la- last week we talked about the idea of buying the wrong bread. Um, what what kind of bread are you looking for? And making sure you're not buying the wrong bread uh, from Jesus' perspective. Uh, this Sunday we're going to get into a little more uh, of the passage, but we're going to start with verse 35 again because it gives us a good. Uh, background for what's going on in the conversation because remember this week we're joining mid-conversation with Jesus and the disciples okay no what's wrong so far what have we forgotten who said it no we haven't prayed yet right let's we're going to pray as we do we're going to remember Bill and Debbie Grissom Mostly we're going to remember Bill, um, that's uh, uh, Hannah's parents. Uh, Bill is um, back east-ish, south, uh, diagnosed with uh, either stage 2 or stage 3 inoperable brain cancer. Uh, and I believe he starts treatment this Thursday, which could give him up to the five uh, years. And uh, without the treatment, he has a couple months. So... Uh, we're going to be praying for them, and then obviously, uh, who are we going to pray for that I haven't mentioned yet? The McDuffies, Hannah, for sure, right? This is dad, you know? It's hard, it's weird, it's not my dad, but I'm having trouble talking about it. So, uh, let's pray, and we can let the Lord do what he does. Lord, we, uh, we want to be reminded that we put things at your feet, and that all things are in your hands. 
that you see everything. And we know your heart, your desire, your will for us. And so we pray for Bill. We pray for health and recovery and uh, a good treatment that is effective. And we pray for the family, uh, the support, the decisions they need to make and uh, give them peace and some patience and um, Lord, give us give us good reports. Uh, give us things that we can uh, celebrate and uh, make known, so people know who you are and what you're capable of. We thank you for this time. We thank you for what we get to do, and uh, let us not take for granted that we get to hear from you that you are God with us, and your word is meant for. Uh, edifying us, growing us, encouraging us, healing us. And so may what we read of your son, from your son, be guided by your spirit and be a blessing. May it honor and glorify you. And we pray this in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. 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 John chapter 6, verse 35. Here we go. Uh, Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. He had had this discussion. He's just uh, fed the 5,000 plus or minus. Uh, with the bread and the fish and then he stops talking about the fish uh, because the disciples and he they get into it where are we going to get the bread where we don't have enough money and even if we did have this much we could only feed that much there's no logistics could never work out and and he says uh, hold on hold on just go get this go do that next thing you know everybody's fed they have so much left over that there's 12 baskets full we noted last week that there's 12 disciples, so if they were worried about whether they got to eat, each got a basket, which I think is ironic and great comedy because I believe the Lord has a sense of humor. Amen? Uh, and, but he starts into this discussion about, you know, there's, there's, there's a spiritual way to look at bread. And he's making a statement now, you know, bread does what for us? When we, um, besides going straight to our hips and being, and being carbs, bread is... It's food, it's nourishment, it provides life, it sustains us, it gives us energy. Um, Jesus is getting into a, a line of thinking here where he says, I'm, I am your sustenance. I am your provision, I am your energy, I am what keeps you going. I bring you, what's that last word in the top line? I bring you life, right? Uh, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is he, is he talking about real hunger and, and bodily hunger, bodily thirst? Or could we be talking about uh, life hunger or life thirst, a spiritual statement there? Uh, or could it be both? Like he will continue to provide for you. Like it's said in other places, even the birds of the air and the fires of the field are taking care of this way. How much more would he take care of us? Verse 36, But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. It's, it's another way of saying, what, what more do you need to see? Um, this is going to hurt a little bit, but I think it's a great statement for our culture, this day and age, our people, this nation, human condition currently. I mean, you, you realize the disciples had seen a little bit at this point, right? We've seen some walking on water. We saw the water to wine. We saw how he handled the woman at the well. They had plenty of evidence. What do we have? 
is what we have right here, folks. We have all the stories, right? They had a few of the stories. They had a cursory knowledge of the First Testament, Old Testament. Well, Scott, I thought, you know, Jewish culture, they would, they would go to school. They'd learn it in backwards and forwards. Well, yeah, to learn it backwards and forwards, to have it memorized, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's great. But how do you deduct meaning, time and experience, wisdom, other people that have done that. How many more people do we have who have studied this and understand how some of these things have already played out? The fulfillment of Scripture, of prophecy. We of all people, we're the most to be condemned. We have the biggest body of evidence that we could believe in God, and yet many of us still, well, we want to solve it on our own, right? I'm going to take charge. Okay, wait. You know, how's that going? Uh, not so good. Well, have you prayed about it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should pray about it. Right? It, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, hey, how, how long must I wait? When will you jump in? You know, when you're raising a kid and they're trying to do something, all they need to do is take your hand. You can help them across, but they want to do it on their own. You know, don't touch me, whatever. And finally, they finally realize, uh, I think I need dad's help or mom's help, whatever the case. And next thing you know, bam, you're all the way across. No big deal. That's the way it goes. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven. It's a great phrase. I have come down from heaven because we're going to hear the down from heaven phrase. He's going to use it later. And now we know where he's referring to himself. Okay, when it, when it shows up later. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If you're, a, if you're a writer in your Bible person, like you put notes on the side, you underline things, you might, you might underline that, my own will. Why are we trying to emphasize that, Scott? No. What are we doing when we, when we underline that? What are we doing? We're remembering, we're accentuating what we're fighting against. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm very encouraged at all of you. I, I know I, I, you can do it because I know none of you have as strong a will as I do. I, I got a battle. You got to pray for me. My own will is like insane. I know none of you have that strong a will, do you? Scott, was that sarcasm? <laughs> I've come from heaven, and I'm doing His will. Why? The last three words of that verse, right before the 39, who sent me? I love, I love the um, Jesus story. I don't know if you know this. I love the Jesus story. And it's easy for me to think of the Jesus story in terms of, whoa, you want to go this way, cross, nativity, baptism, all those things that Jesus did. It's harder sometimes for me to remember well, why did he come in the first place? He was sent. There's, there's a hierarchy above him, higher priority, a will, a design who said, hey, here's what we're doing. And then remembering for Jesus, it wasn't easy. Hey, uh, do you think that you could let this cup pass from me? Right? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's about to be crucified. He's like, do we have to do this? 
And even in that moment, but not my will, but your will be done. Right? When he teaches us to pray, what does he say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know what he just precluded? He just tossed out my kingdom. Which is so terrible, because I have this great idea for my kingdom. <laughs> right? How do I do sent me? Uh, verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Woo. Jesus' perspective is that whatever God has put in front of me, I will be responsible for all of it. I will make an effort. I will do my best. I, and now it's not fair because he can make this statement and have it actually, I will not lose any of them, right? We lose a game from time to time, us, right? But to think, whatever he puts, hey, he gave me three kids. He gave me a wife, a job, a ministry, relationships, a dog. <laughs> right? What, what, what am I doing? Uh, how am I handling? Right? For this, this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. He's been talking about last day a couple times now. So he's got a trajectory. He's heading somewhere with this whole line of thinking. Did you guys lose me for a second? Uh, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Remember, see, they caught the phrase too, right? We like it. They don't. Why do we like it? Well, because we like bread. Okay. <laughs> Somebody bring him lunch. Uh, why, why, what's the deeper meaning for why we like he's the bread from heaven? He's, he's from God. He's his son. He's, he's making a claim to Messiah, right? That's the exact reason they don't like it. Right? It's almost like, oh yeah, we'll prove it first. You can't make those claims until you prove it. And by the way, uh, he had yet to prove anything that they were looking for and never did. Because he was on a different will agenda than theirs. And I'm, I've, I'm finding it hard, but getting better at setting my will aside. Well, this is what I want, but they're going to do it this way. Don't they know? Honey, why don't they see? Right? These are conversations Julie and I have, right? <laughs> Does it sound like I'm talking about my three kids? Um, you ever run into somebody you work with, somebody you're related to, uh, somebody you just met, and you thought, ooh, that's not going to work? How many times? <laughs> Daily? Multiple times a day? How often does it work out for them? Most of the time. Who's wrong? Me. Darn. Yeah, you feel good. Go ahead. Go do yoga. Wrong. <laughs> right? Uh, so we're going to raise him up on the last day. Eternal life. Uh, they grumbled about it and they, and they said, uh, is not this Jesus? Wait, isn't this Iesu? That's a Greek version, right? If you're reading it from Greek, I know 
probably none of you. Isn't this Eesu? Right, next slide. The uh, son of Joseph. Isn't this Eesu, son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Don't we know him? This is the little kid from down the street? Come on. This can't be real. How can he say, I have come from heaven? We know where he came from, right? He was a 22 Merlane, right down there in, in Nazareth. No? Jesus answered them, don't grumble among yourselves. No one could come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. He keeps talking about being raised up on the last day, the ultimate victory. And then he's kind of saying to him, hey, you guys think what you want, but don't grumble because it has nothing to do with what you think. In fact, how about, how about you try being wrong? How about you figure out what kind of bread you're choosing? Make sure you're choosing the right bread. It's written by the prophets, verse 45, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Ooh, there's a little code in there, right? What was the phrase I said earlier? I pay attention to this one's going to show up again. And then it showed up again, and the, the, the Jews got angry at it. What was the phrase? Because he came down from heaven, right? And then here he says, the only one who's seen him is the one who is from him. He's referencing himself. It makes sense, guys. You fail to recognize him because I'm the only one that recognizes him. I was just with him. I'm here for a little commercial break and then I'm going back. You love that. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Verse 48, and I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. <laughs> I wonder if he said that with a little emphasis. I'm the bread of life. There's a new game going on. And I know you guys are all excited about the manna, but remember, you wanted a sign? He gave you a sign. He brought manna from heaven, right? I'm a different type of bread coming from heaven. You see the analogy. But the difference is, everybody you put your faith in, your history and all that kind of stuff, dead. They're all dead. I love that. I love that so much that I put it in your outline. Sorry, I got a little excited. I had to stand up. Get your outline out. What does it say? It says John chapter 6, verse 35 through 71. And then it says, choosing bread. He gets into this analogy because what were they looking for first? They were looking for bread to feed the crowd. Then he says, no, I'm the bread of life. And then they get all upset, some of the Jews, because he makes a statement about coming down from heaven. He says, eh understand there's something different going on here right and what you think you have your faith in that came down from heaven it's different now it's a new game it's almost like he's the new manna but he's the bread from heaven right uh this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die I am the living bread 
that came down from heaven. Keeps using the phrase, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Is he starting to be redundant and repeating himself? Why, why, why does he do that? So you get it, right? I always think of my math teachers. Uh, back when I was a little guy, we had math worksheets. And many times they were the same math worksheet. When we did the test, the timing drills were your multiplications. The test was the same every week. Now, I was young enough that I had yet to learn all my memorization skills. But by repetition and practice, I would go through and uh, zero times this is zero. Two times this is this. And you're banging your way through. What's, what was the value of all that? It was the repetition. You finally get a truth that was always there. hadn't changed. But now I get to experience it. Jesus is um, regularly emphasizing this idea of life comes from Him. He's from the Father and eternal is in His hands so that we get it. Because what do we focus on? What's for lunch? Are they making a good decision? Let's wait and see. The Jews, verse 52. Oh, by the way, let's not let's make sure we catch this. Uh, he's going to give life to the world and it's through his flesh. It's a little, little prediction to something that's coming, right? Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Apparently they had a hard time with analogies. Okay? Um, which still happens to this day. People still have a hard time with analogies in Scripture. Reference most everything in Revelation. Scott, you need to teach on Revelation. We need to go through the bowl judgments and the lampstands and all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, did you think I had a secret code for breaking the analogy? <laughs> because they're teaching a bunch of topics about God and what it will be like rather than giving the, me the exact name of the Antichrist or any of that kind of stuff. And when it happens, we'll figure it out. Until then, I got enough to worry about today. Amen? Amen? And that's actually not a true statement. I have too much to worry about today. Not enough. I have too much. So they want to dispute. They don't understand. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, unless you become a vampire, you have no life in you. He says, oh, you don't get the analogy? Well, let's just burn the analogy even hotter. Like, let's just turn it up on the analogy. Because why? Because you want to fight the analogy. He says, no, let's turn up the analogy because you need to understand what's behind it. Does um, the bread of communion become the actual flesh of Christ when you eat it. Really? Did you figure that out all on your own? The juice stuff, the purple juice, when you drink that, does when you're drinking it during communion or any time you say grace, right? He says as often as you do this, in remembrance of me, does it become like hemoglobin? Oh, this is a good type A. <laughs> Have you figured that you figure that out without thinking about it very long? 
Do you know that this is like a big controversy in big theology? It's called transubstantiation. What? Yeah, there's whole groups of people that think that when we eat the bread and drink the wine, that it becomes the actual flesh and blood of Christ. Why do they believe that? So they can try to make sense of the analogy by making it literal. I, this, I'm sorry, we're going to have a test. We, we have almost no tests in our church. Okay, Every once in a blue moon we have one, and you have to get this right, or we're going to have to put you through a class. Okay, Usually the tests are about the movie Tombstone. Okay, Today, today it's about something else. Okay, so one question, it's yes or no. Is everything in the Bible literal? Okay, we're going to postpone that class. No one needs to take the class. Okay, there's lots of analogy. There's symbolism. There are things that are mystery. Why? Wait, say that again. Because only God knows. What I, what I thought you said was because only God should know. If we knew, we'd do the wrong thing. Why does He make things a mystery? Because He wants to. He wants to tell us later. Who knows why? Most of the things, there's no way of having an answer. Why would you have the kids in the gender that you had them in the order that you had them? His will? That's about the closest you can get to reasoning on some of these things. Why are you still alive? This is the one that messes with me the most. I know great people, close people that I love dearly and they're gone. And it's not fair. And I get to still be here. <laughs> like, what kind of reasoning is that guy? Right? He says, eh, I could explain it to you, but then I'd have to kill you. <laughs> because you would mess up too many things if you knew. Right? Instead, we want to dispute amongst ourselves because there's things we don't understand rather than, wait, maybe we should listen to this guy more. You're, you're walking into a room and realize there's somebody in there smarter than you? It, it's the whole of my experiences, okay? What happens when you recognize that you're in a room and in the topic there's someone that's an expert in their room on that topic? What do you do? Shut up. That's it's like the first thing, right? Step two, right? If you're really smart, take notes. If you're super brave, make friends, right? If you're really, really dangerous, give them a gift, you know, whatever. I mean, you want to get close to that person. Is this what the Jews are doing with Jesus? No, because a lot of times in human tendency, you find somebody that is uh, ahead of you in some way, and they become the competition. Okay? Guys, I know we take swipes at you all the time at church. Okay? You're men. You have thicker skin in some ways, and, I, and, and I'm not a lady, so I can take advantage of smacking you guys. That's not so bad, right? We're going to take a swipe at the ladies right now. I want you to enjoy it. Okay? Here it goes, ladies. You're somewhere, and someone walks in, and she might be cuter than you in your mind. <laughs> We're going to put out a hit on her. <laughs> no. It's that, that banter, right? That, 
you know? And we got to get away from that. Far away from that. Far away from that. Because uh, in the mystery of who God is, He uses all people. Amen? Amen. Uh, they don't want to do that. Instead, they want to argue about the, whether this is actually blood or flesh. And verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh, he just keeps going, and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. You know, it's um, uh, more, uh, even more subtle and really not in this passage too much is there was some debate as to whether uh, eternal life even existed. Right? The Sadducees said there was no afterlife. There was nothing beyond. There was only this physical world. So he's, he's not only pushing them on how you get there, but that it exists. I mean, they're drinking from the fire hose in a lot of ways in this moment. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Hmm. Hmm. What did I say was the purpose of analogy? Symbolism? Simile? The purpose of that in Scripture? To get to a truth. Right? I asked you if it was actually flesh and actually blood, and you said no. I said, well, then there's a meaning behind it. What did we just get? We just got meaning. To eat his flesh, to drink his blood, what that means is to abide in him and he in you. What does that mean? He says, look, here's one of the ways for you to understand this. When you take things in, they become part of your body. That's what my relationship with you needs to be like. I need to abide in you. And the way I abide in you is you learn how to abide in me. Pursue him. Set aside your will and put his will First, talk like Him, think like Him, act like Him, and hang around with those that do. Oh, you mean I don't have to believe in transubstantiation? Great, let's never use that word again. <laughs> right? Abides in me and I in Him. Just love that. 57, as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. And this is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. What's this bread? It's the bread you should choose. We're not choosing manna. We're not choosing crowd bread. We're choosing bread from heaven. What's that? Abide in him and he in you. Wow. That kind of makes sense. I could actually do that. Now, it'd be easier if I could just eat bread and drink wine. That'd be the easiest. But I like the things that cost me a little. That do a little work. That make you stronger. Pursue me and see how that goes. Uh, verse 60, watch the response. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Wow, this, this is kind of tough. We're not the first to have trouble with his analogies or what he's pushing. This is difficult. Hey, Peter, did you understand what he just said? Can you explain it to me? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this. Now, now it's the disciples grumbling rather than just the Jews. He said to them, are you offended? Does this bother you? 
then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? Ooh. You think this is tough. You know what my chiropractor told me? Oh. Yeah, she said, don't do yoga. She's, she said this phrase, and I'm wondering how many of you have heard this and how many times. You know, this is going to get worse before it gets better. And I was like, Tara, no, no you can't. You're supposed to tell other patients that, not me. <laughs> he says, look, you, you think this is bad because I had a teaching that was a little bit mystery? You have no idea what's coming. I'm going back from where I came. Man, isn't that the most, uh, the cleanest way of saying it? Right, what's he talking about? Much, much bigger word than transubstantiation. It's crucifixion. Hey, I want to just help you with the transubstantiation thing. Um, trust me, you never need figure what that one out until you're done with the one I just gave you, crucifixion. When you can holistically understand what is crucifixion, all that it entails, all the ramifications of how it plays out, then you can move on to transubstantiation. Okay? Why was that snarky and sarcastic? There's too much in the crucifixion. You'll be working on it the rest of your life. Uh, the greatest and smartest of theologians they're still working on all the ways that that plays out. Amen? Though God is a, a much more than we can ever fathom or think. Uh, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. I love that. I bolded it, I italicized it, and underlined it in my, no in my notes. The flesh is no help at all. Man, I need to hear that and remember that. I need to write that down when I'm trying too hard, pressing, pushing others, being passive or being overly active, forcing my will or just being a distraction. What's the key there? Say it again. The Spirit. Well, that's no good, Scott, because the Spirit is so vague and mysterious. And most of the time I'm wondering about the Spirit rather than hard, having hard answers. Oh, why is that? Maybe God wants us on our toes regularly. Or for some of you, it might make more sense, wants you on your heels. That's a grandma right there. Did you hear that? I know at home you didn't hear this, which, <clears throat> by the way, last week, apparently there was uh, trouble with the audio in our feed, and we apologize for that. We think we have that corrected. Um, so last week, um, you saw a good sermon. You didn't hear any of it, and we apologize for that. Um, what I hope nobody misses this week is he wants us on our, he wants us on our knees, more than our toes, more than our heels, because when you're on your toes and when you're on your heels, where does it put you? It puts you on your knees. Now you have to engage a source that's beyond flesh. So brilliant. Um, which is uh, really frustrating because I want answers. You want answers? I want the truth. 
See, we want the truth and we want answers. And it's not the way he works. Brian, don't be rolling your eyes at me. Just so you guys know, I see everything from up here. Okay. Um, words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. He's talking to the 12 now. For Jesus knew from the beginning who, who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that one, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Ooh. You know, some people look in study of this passage and say, wait, he said that all of those that God gave him, he would never lose one. Well, explain Judas then, Scott. Simple. It was never his. Paul explains it this way uh, later in the New Testament. He says, they went out from us, for they were never of us. Ooh. Was Judas a disciple? Yes. Did he ever fully believe? Ooh. Pretty hard to make an argument that he fully believed when he betrayed Christ. And, da, da, da. Um, and yet, it's a trick question, because did he ultimately believe? Ooh. Make sure you do your belief on the right side of your decision before you decide, rather than far, learn the hard way later. That's rough. Uh, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Make sense? Yeah, because the road is narrow and few are those that find it. And when Jesus says, hey, rubber needs to meet the road, this is going to get tougher before it gets better. And yeah, you're going to have to work on it. Some of it's going to be mysterious. And no, you're not going to have answers all the time. And truth will elude you till later. Who's willing to put in the work? Great question. Most said no. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? You leaving too? You love Peter. You love Peter? Come on, you got to say yes, right? You love Peter? Yes. yes, we love Peter. Sire Peter said, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Um, what do we love about that? Because we love Peter. I mean, that's. A lot, of, a lot of people could say, oh, he's my, he's my favorite character. He's a knucklehead. He gets it wrong, but then he gets it right. And, right? Is, that, is that what we like about it? What do, you, what do you love about Peter? He tries. Many try and fail. What did Yoda tell us? There's do or do not. There is no try, Okay. I like try, reward the effort, all that kind of stuff. Okay, I like that. But here's the thing that I like about this the most. It has nothing to do with Peter. It has everything to do with God. That God has set up a system that even a knucklehead like Peter <laughs> could figure it out. Claudia, why do I love that? And why are you laughing at me? <laughs> why are you laughing? We're knuckleheads and he still loves us, right? I have a shot. And Peter proved it. I love Peter for selfish reasons. 
because he accomplished what I want to be able to accomplish, that I want for other people to be able to accomplish, that we can figure out how to set aside our will and weed through the mystery of analogy and the stuff that where truth eludes us and somebody's ahead of us and just say, you know what? I submit. I choose you. And I no longer need choose myself and then hope that I'm enough to solve it. I never need be enough. I can be subpar and be okay. I could be average and be on purpose. I can meet some needs and not other. I could put things in my kids' plates and say, you're adults now, and step back and say, oh, let's see how that turns out. Hey, honey, come here, check this out. <laughs> Look at what they did. Where are they going to learn that one the hard way? I can be average and be accepted. Love that. Amen? Amen. Praise God for Peter. Uh, Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? Didn't I choose you? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Boy, uh, God knows how to give you a, a cliffhanger, right? I was just talking with Bryce the other day, watching TV back in the olden days, before there were streaming services. You had rabbit ears and things, and you'd be watching Batman or uh, you know Dukes of Hazard or something, and right towards the end, they would say, to be continued. And you would shake your fist at the television, right? Your tube TV. And say, oh, something's coming. Can't wait to see. I want to um, clarify something uh, when it comes to predestination and free will. I know we, we like to argue about that. And I would, I would like to encourage you to Spend as little time on that as possible. There's other things that I think are much more worthy of your time, like the crucifixion. What does that mean? There's, uh, there's another one, and I want to give Tim Lundy uh, credit for this one. He said, you know, before, before we work on predestination and free will, I think we need to work on the humanity and the deity of Christ. If we could really understand that, then, then we'll move on and work on what's God forced on us and what has God given us a choice on. Um, that's pretty brilliant. This says here, they say, hey, didn't I choose all 12 of you? And people could use that to say, hey, that's, that's pretty, he chose them. And yet Jesus didn't make it, so how does that work? Careful with that. Does Judas still get to have choice? Yeah. Does he exercise that choice? Yeah. Does, does God the Father get to pick who was disciples? Does Jesus get to choose who are the 12? Yes. Ultimately, do we believe that Peter gets in? Did I say? Peter. Thank you. Peter gets in, for sure. Right? We, we, we agree that Judas gets in. Yes, yeah, so did, did Judas get choice, and did he get predetermined ultimately? Ooh. Okay. I want to give you a really fancy word, because today's fancy word day at church. I don't know if you knew this. We've done transubstantiation, uh, crucifixion, deity, humanity of Christ. I want to give you another one called 
compatibilism. Everybody take your hands, take your fingers, and weave them like this. It's a concept, um, I believe it was authored by D.A. Carson. He's a theologian that you should read um, with a magnifying glass and seven dictionaries. Okay, It's the idea that God's, God's determined will and our ability to choice somehow work together. Okay? And that's his understanding, and it makes sense to me when I read it. Okay, so we won't spend too much time on that. Uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, let's get through uh, three, some of the three things we could get from this. And um, when we're choosing bread, Jesus gets a couple, couple, three concepts, different types of bread. He said, look, there's heavenly bread. It makes that statement a couple different times. And what does heavenly bread do? Heavenly bread gives life. This, this might be a great um, heavenly bread gives life, right? Gives eternal life. This might be a good marker for you when you uh, are trying to make a decision or evaluate something. Um, sometimes we say, what's your metric for that decision? Here's your, here's your metric. Is what I'm doing, is what I'm saying, if who I'm interacting with, the time I'm spending, what I'm investing in this, is it going to bring life to that group of people, to me, to my family, to the future, to the organization that I'm representing? Am I bringing life? Am I eating from heavenly bread? Um, what did we say was the um, definition of uh, drinking the blood and eating the flesh? What did we say it was? Abiding in Him and Him abiding in me. In this decision, is, is Christ abiding in it? Is Christ in it? And how close do I feel to Him when I say the words of what I'm deciding? Um, confession time. There's, there's things I've said to my kids, uh, to my wife, that I look back on and I can't, there's no piece of Christ in them. Not a sliver. And what do I know in that moment? I was w-r-o-n wrong right um we we have to ask that question because jesus is telling us to ask that question how are you abiding in me and how am i abiding in you um because we're meant to be doing the will of him who sent jesus right and and, and he's, he's sending us in the things that we do uh, second one is this there's another type of You know, one of me is bad enough. So there's a second. Um, yeah, yeah, me and Jeff Dunham. Um, there's dead bread. There's dead bread. Bread that, that has almost no value. Where do we see that in the passage? Jesus says, you guys are still talking about manna. It's over. It was a long time ago. You're, you're speaking of a dead and gone generation, and where are they? They're gone. They're dead. You need to figure out, like, where, where are your dead-end roads? Where, where you invest in something, and there's nothing there. There's no return. You, you ever been in an argument where there was, you're getting nothing out of it? Anybody been in an argument that went well? It's like the dodo bird, right? Dead bread. Um, the flesh is no help. I, I decided I had to have you guys write that down in some way. I thought that verse was so great. Dead bread means the flesh is no help. When are you pursuing something 
and there's nothing there. You ever reach for something and, and realize it's not there? Finding that experience more common in the middle of the night when I'm trying to wake up and figure out where I am. You know, reach for something. I thought that was a glass of water. No, that's just the shade from the moonlight through the window. Or whatever. We, we reach for things that aren't there. I love the idea that what, most of what God does for us is define reality. We're trying to sculpt reality. He says, no, just stand back and let me show you and tell you what reality is and what things work and what things don't work. Sexuality doesn't work, folks. 99% of the time, sexuality is a dead end. There's, there's no life there. Well, there is. That's, that's how we get kids. Yeah, that's the 0.1% of the time when you're doing it correctly. The rest of the time, it's, it's an exercise in learning self-indulgence. It's, it's, a, it's a discard of real, valuable time for no return. And actually, that might not even be true because there is a return. It's a, it's a, it's a wicked return. Because it's shaping and poisoning. What, what condition do you find yourself in later? Compromise, that's the nicest way to say it. Right? Are there other areas outside of sexuality that you could say would be true? Where 99.9% .9 of the time, it's probably not a good pursuit. Food. 99.9% .9 of the time, the pursuit of food, not a good idea. Okay, what else? Drink. He said, being a Raider fan. I, about the only thing they still have going for them is a good logo. Okay, right. I don't know. Just, what about money? How about advancement in your job? How about relationship? Is it, is, is it possible to 99.9% .9 of the time in the way you pursue your relationship for it be manipulative, unhealthy, detrimental to everyone around? Say yes. Okay, thank you. Um, what's the point? There's a lot of dead bread. Most of bread out there is dead. Judas learned the hard way. Jews would never entertain it. But Peter figures it out. It's so great. Last one. There's... There's hard bread. I was very excited walking through the grocery store the other day. They had fresh bread. So I've come to determine there is no such thing. I don't know. Unless you're the one that is pulling it out of the oven and then you bite it, that's the only fresh bread, I think. Fresh bread, I'm all excited and the whole thing and Let's do the shortest version of this story. I have jaw issues from an accident that happened way back in 97. We'll, I'll tell that story on another sermon another time. So chewing can be difficult for me sometimes. I get this, grab this fresh bread, and it's sourdough, which is the correct bread. <laughs> Unless you've been sent to the store with a grocery list by someone else. Um, and when I, when I the moment I, I grabbed it, I knew it was the wrong bread. Why? It's, it was hard. I, I, the sourdough with the hard exterior, I don't, what's the point? 
is an exercise in monotony. And and with my jaw, I can't do it, right? Um, There's hard bread out there. And the the thing that I don't like about hard sourdough bread is its work. And it takes a while and a lot of chewing. And by the end, my jaw's exhausted. We sweat when when they eat bland stuff. Me? I'm the only one? Yeah, we're telling that story at some point. Yeah. And anybody who's been around me during a meal, you know that's true. Um, I, I just don't like the work. There's a ton of stuff out there that's a lot of work. I remember playing college soccer for two hours a day. We would just run and run and run and run. I'm like, what am I doing? I, I've since um, canceled that policy. I don't run for two hours a day anymore. I, I don't like the work. Right? Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be work. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to rethink how many things? Say all. Right? You have to rethink everything. You have to change how you make decisions. In fact, you need to learn how to handle analogy and people that don't. <laughs> what are we choosing when we choose hard bread? Give it to us, uh, Nate. We're choosing Jesus as your what? Any guesses? Life. Oh, hold on. Choosing Jesus as your life source. There's two words. Is hard. Choosing Jesus as your life source is hard. Nothing in life worth having is easy. Okay, um, that's great. You know, studying for the driver's license test, that was, that was hard, right? We're, we're talking a whole nother level of hard as people will reject you. Maybe even family members. And you have to give up some of the things that you do. You might have, you will have to change pattern. You have to learn how to pray. Read Scripture. You have to learn patience. Release, letting go. And, and then waiting for when the help comes. Why do it? It's the only thing that brings life. It's the only thing that works. It's the only thing that is real. And we chase fake all the time. We love fake. Right? Ready for best example of we love fake? Social media. Boom. It's it's 100% fake. Um Somebody asked me the other day, hey, I sent you some messages on Facebook. Did you get them? I I, I tell you, I don't don't even know how to get onto my account anymore. There's there's some things we don't don't spend our time on anymore. And and I'm off the social media thing now. But you got to figure out what bread you're choosing. Jesus is the bread. And how are you having him abide in you? Uh, some of you listen to podcasts. Somebody sent me a clip of a podcast this week and said, hey, minute 25, you got to listen. I think this is good. Some of you uh, have worship music that you 
play regularly in your car. Uh, some of you lead worship music uh, that works for you. Some of you uh, understand scripture better than me. Whatever it is, some small group, not small group. Some of you have a mentor. Some of you have an online thing that you do. Whatever it is. But figure out and do it to the best of your ability. Because this is how it works. Abide in me. Is that a, is that a future statement? Yes. Past statement? It's a, it's a present statement. How, how do I do it now? Amen? Amen. Yeah. Um, if you never made that decision, it starts now. Uh, and it will be hard. It will be difficult. You're going to have to come to terms with the fact that Jesus died and was risen on three days where you think that could actually happen. And the fact that the way they count three days is very different than we do, and that's even tough. And then say, hey, I, I want to follow that. I want to be around people like this. I know that's a hard choice. And say, we're going to work on it together. We're going to do things like put people in homes and teach the young ones how life really works and what is truth and, and, and do the best we can. And maybe your prayer this morning is, all right, Christ, from hell on, I abide in you and you and me. Be my bread. I choose you. If that's your prayer, we want. To, that's why we're here. We want to help you. So let us know. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for um, what we got to do today, and may we get to do it many, many more times in the future. And we thank you for the offering we're about to receive. We continue to pray for Bill and Debbie and things coming up within the church and Pray for your guidance. Be, be our sustenance, Lord. Abide in us, and we in you. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. May abiding in him allow you to experience him abiding in you in greater ways. Amen? Amen. Go with him.